Recording, this is Gomers. Now recording, this is Luke. Hopefully I didn't screw this up for you. <laughs> We're supposed to do a countdown? No. Right. Do countdown at the end. Man, it has been a it long time. Been. It's been a long time, been a long time. That's a, that's a deep Christian rock track that no one's going to get unless... Not even you! Please don't get it. Please don't get <laughs> unless it. Unless you enjoyed a 311. Actually, they were a really good band and someone in the style of 311, but not a 311 knockoff. They're called PAX 217, and I enjoyed them very much. Oh, that's sad for the rest of our listeners. Oh, hello. Man, how the heck are uh, you? I thought we were going to talk more of a break, I'll be honest. Yeah, so so what was it? Like, we talked, we talked we maybe texted. like four times via text message? WhatsApp a little bit, yeah. I was, here's the thing. Okay, Gomer, here, here's what's happening. Speak, Lord. I'm like really busy. Yeah, like toddler Christmas changes everything. <laughs> Gomer, Gomer, Luke, I have I have four kids. Yeah. I know how how. I mean, I don't mean the actual like penis going to the vagina. How I mean like like I'm so tired. <laughs> what what makes you so tired? What are you are you joking? I'm constantly walking. I am okay. This is what it's like. I mean, I, I'm I know that everyone here is aware of this or you know whatever. You know when you canoe and you're not good at it at first because, you know, going outside is dumb? Uh, yeah. So the like the the hardest part when you canoe at first is that, like, you zigzag, right? It's supposed to be like a straight line. Yeah. You zigzag. So you canoe twice as so much as you need to because instead of going as in as straight of a line as possible, you're going all over the place. That's what it's like when you're watching a toddler. You're just zigzagging for hours. And instead of the canoe, it's your body. So you're just walking and moving around, zigzagging for hours. You're so funny. I am so tired. <laughs> Do you remember what I, I mean? Let me be wrong. Like, I'm so glad that, that you know, we um, have Everly and she's great. But I just want to go to past Luke and just be like, my good man, the rest that you feel, the rejuvenation you feel from like sitting on a couch for five minutes, cherish it. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, cherish it! Nice. It is. It it is gone. It is gone. It does not oh, exist. I love you so much. I love you so much. And it's not coming back for so long because hopefully there will be more kids and more yeah. of this. And it, I can't. I can't. <laughs> no, Lord. I can't. No, this is why you did this in your twenties. Why? Why was I so obsessed with other things? I'm so tired. <laughs> Where did it get me, Lord? Am I so vain? <laughs> Affluency in uh, CatholicMatch.com and uh, Christian Rock. That's what it got me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you want to got me? Come on. And all, and all the fans I worship are atheists now. <laughs> Gay atheists. Gay atheists. <laughs> Oh, so I only say that because of the majority of Luke's rock bands all deconstructed their disciples. Not the majority, they, just the one we they had met on the show. Nice gay people. It's not that. No, I, I use that as an example of when reality gets shoved in your face, and it's like, oh, these things that are in my head. Now I have to confront them as as a person. Yeah. How do I how do I reckon that? I'm sorry, sorry that life got in the way. 
<laughs> me too. Me too, Luke. Keep making that crappy Christian rock music. Good. <laughs> it's not Slick Christian. Shoes, man. <laughs> uh, Keep Slick, uh, no, no, no. Slick Shoes is Ooh. wonderful. Oh, the, wait, you, you, uh, no, the last album is beyond good. Like, the more I listen to it, I'm like, this is one of the best pop punk albums of the past 10 years. It is That's because no one makes pop punk albums in the There's last There's also that. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Luke, I was not expecting you to agree with that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, because it, it, is, re- it is like legit. Ha, da, 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 da. Ha, da, 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 da. So so it was it was a tumultuous Christmas. No, it was great. It's just we have come to the point in time where it's like, okay, so you know how you travel for Christmas a lot because you're in your twenties and you are moved away from your family because you're an idiot. No, you don't. You move back home, loser. Um it every like most people I know, like I remember it's kind of like happening in my late 20s. People be like, man, I'm a little tired for always having to travel for Christmas. And uh, like no one I knew in my 20s who didn't have a family, they, everyone traveled for the whole, like everyone. So for like 10 plus years, I just traveled um, for Christmas. And it's been actually almost like 15 plus years. Of rest- I mean, good gosh, you've got college 20. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I just realized how old I am. Uh, and we were talking about that. And we're like, I we have probably one more big trip in us for Christmas, and then I think we're done. Uh, never again. Like the grandparents can come to us, which which is what my mom did this 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 year. So I'm not like we've done a, we've we've been home for the past two years. But I bring it up because I still feel like we are a little bit at the mercy of. We plan everything this year. <laughs> sorry, um, sorry to my mom and my sisters who are hearing this for the first time before I tell them. Uh, I mean, we're going yeah. to Arizona next year, so it doesn't really matter for the holidays. But <laughs> it's always like, okay, so you're traveling here. They're all coming in. What are we going yeah. to do? As opposed to, here's what we're doing. Who's going to be here? Yeah. And that's a pretty big um, difference. And, and it gets a little bit exhausting because you end up doing stuff all the time. And I feel like I just basically never Let stop. me tell you the secret. Okay, about four years ago, maybe five, COVID time, a woman comes up to me. She says, Mike, can I tell you the greatest thing that ever happened to my marriage and family over the holidays? And I was like, I'm trying to pray, a lady, leave me alone. (laughs) We are literally in the middle of adoration. (laughs) Patreon.com slash CF, that's what that's for. (laughs) She said, said, when we decided we would not travel on Christmas Day. The Christmas Day was for us and our family. It was for waking up and doing presents here in our house. We're done traveling. We're done making a big deal. Like, we can go before Christmas. We can go after Christmas. But right around Christmas, we're staying put. And uh, the mornings, Christmas Eve and Christmas morning and afternoon is all dedicated to my family. Michael Gormley's spawn and bride, right? That's it. So we started doing that. And we've done that, I think, for the last four years. And feeling like I don't have to get on a plane or get... Like, last time we left our house two years ago on Christmas Day to drive. I, I remember And this. we did that yeah. because we knew that there would be, like, minimal traffic. The weather was fine uh, until you get to Missouri. So And the roads weren't bad. It wasn't, like, ice or snow covered. So we knew we could... Until you get to Missouri. <laughs> Missouri. And... uh we knew we'd be good. We knew we'd be good. But we were not about to recreate Christmas like over and over and over again. And so one of the things we found out is my my in-laws, they have like company parties on like the 16th 
you know, like, because he owns a couple businesses and they have, like, the big party at the house and they do different things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if Shannon wants to see her family, we got to go then. You know, we don't we don't go on Christmas Day. That's that's when the people who are local come over to the house, you know, whatever. So in terms of traveling, um, this year I flew Shannon to St. Louis. She got to be there without kids for the first time in her life. And uh, she flew up there from the 16th to the 21st or 22nd. I was with the kids. They were miserable. That's a long yeah, time. Yeah, they were miserable. Our kids were, my kids were so miserable. Um, <laughs> like, listen, you're not going to get much out of me. So your best bet is either the, is, is either the internet or other families. <laughs> Might I suggest the Muckenthalers, <laughs> the Jones. They're all around Father here. David Hust. I talk about them ad infinitum on Catching Foxes. Um, no, and we did. We had a great time with local people. We had, um, yeah, I, I in the month of December, I went to Deacon Baldy's more times than I had in the previous probably two years, three years combined, or two years, um, COVID time. And uh, and I went to, um, we, we did trips. We went to Waco and did the, you know, Magnolia at the Silos, Chip and Joanna Gaines stuff with the Joneses. By the way, I have a theory about. Yeah, uh, you said that about Chip. He's Chip. just riding her coattails. Yeah, yeah, we talked right? about that. What yeah, a life! I know. Way to I go. know. You talking about on the show, or the, I think I was just in the WhatsApp group. No, no, no. You said on the show. Ah, yeah, you were like, I could be wrong. Um, but then, uh, so we did that. And then we went to Santa's Wonderland, toured millions of Christmas lights, did that, and then uh, I was done. I took. I had fourteen <laughs> and a half days of vacation. Mm-hmm. I had used every last one of them this is what i did luke during christmas break i didn't set my alarm once from the 16th. i did that a little bit that was nice but the, i think no i didn't even have to set the alarm to take uh no or to pick up shannon from the airport at 8 a.m on tuesday because i just you know wake up naturally the kids are all up at seven the kids they're on christmas break they're on the holidays so they get they all get to watch a show in the morning and then we take a break and then in the afternoon they can play iPads and Xbox for video games, and then they take a break, and then we're done and dinner and watch stupid stuff at night as a family. Man, it was awesome. I went to the ordinariate a bunch of times for mass. Um, no idea what that the, is. I was too afraid to ask. <laughs> the Anglican um, ordinary, the ordinary of the chair of St. Peter. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry. Okay, yeah. Okay. It, it it was just it was just a lovely experience. Um, I just wanted to go because. Oh, I mean, to be honest with you, I might as well not lie, but um, I wanted to go because I'm sick and tired of seeing the Eucharist drop on the floor. And if I have to... Really? Has it been happening at your It church? has happened because of mask wearers. Oh, boy. Not, not anything else. Ugh. It's because they're fumbling with the mask. And I would say probably 5%, maybe less, of our total parishioners that go to mass wear masks. And it is always them. It is, it is because they're... They don't do what the cardinal asks, which is go forward, receive on the hand, take a step to the side, take your mask off, receive. Don't move your hand. You just take the Eucharist out, communicate, and then put your mask on and walk back. They don't do that. What they do is they receive in their hand, and then they, with their other hand, they lift up their mask. They try to pop Jesus in. You know, once you pop, you can't stop kind of thing. And uh, it's so frustrating because it happens all the time. And the last time it happened, it happened right in front of me, right at the very beginning of Mass. And, I mean, I almost throttled the guy, not because he did anything. I mean, he did do something wrong, but it wasn't intentional. He's not being malicious, but I'm sick and tired of seeing it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to a place 
where you have to receive communion on your tongue, where you have to receive it kneeling down at an altar rail, where there's no weird crap happening. I'm just going to go and receive. I do like a good altar rail. I, really I know. Do. Old St. Mary's, man. It's just different. It's just different. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. They place the Eucharist from the ciborium directly onto your tongue. And they have a, a communion plate, a, a patent, you know, the altar server has underneath that mm-hmm. goes from the mm-hmm. priest's hands mm-hmm. to underneath your chin. It is full of crumbs from the Eucharist, even though it's directly from the ciboria to your mouth. I'm too busy praying, so I don't look. Okay, but here's the thing. This <laughs> is, this is what the priest said. He said, if it's full of crumbs and I'm directly putting it, like there's only like a four-inch space between the ciboria and your tongue. Yeah, I know. How much more is it from people handling the Eucharist, going, all that? And I just, it like caused, when I heard that, I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm scared. So we went to midnight mass there. Not not because I, it was really hard. It was really hard because Father David was doing mass, uh, midnight mass. It was going to be. It was everyone that went. All my friends that went said it was very beautiful. The whole thing, the choirs, the music, the everything. Um, but I just, uh, yeah. So I took the kids for the first time to midnight mass. Hundred hundred mm-hmm. people in the church because it's a small church. It only holds a hundred people. We were there with um, people that were going to be uh, um, godparents to their baby. Uh, born any day now um who are these friends that i don't know <laughs> the lamberts and uh they're fans of the show keaton is so oh, well then never yeah. mind yeah. hello yeah. <laughs> fans of the show great people so it's just been <laughs> really great people the way you know they're the great people because they go to patreon.com slash cf that's <laughs> patreon.com slash cf so it was just oh. stuff like that i chilled i prayed luke i prayed i have been praying more in the last, I would say, three weeks than I have in the last three months. Like, hours of prayer in. And it's, and it's not that it's all been sweet, but, um, yeah, it's been really nice. It's been really nice. Good. Great. Great. Did I tell you that I slept um, a lot? Did I tell you that part? Okay. Yeah, you did. Okay. I was just checking. Yeah. That's, oh, man. I, I, yeah, I started going to bed a little bit earlier, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's time. Sometimes I would go to bed at 8. I'd be asleep before my kids. Sometimes I go to bed at three. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Just it's magic. I, I would. Sometimes I'd go to bed at. I would go to bed at one. Then I would. I wake up at two. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I guess I heard it was called a nap. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'd fall asleep weird. in the middle of the day and wake up still the same day, but like darker outside. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. A, what a good. But sleep. here's one thing that happened when <laughs> Shannon was gone. So she was gone for like four days, five days. In the middle of it. Just tons of women hit on you. Oh, my gosh. It was awesome. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> ladies, ladies, you see the ring? They're like, I don't see no lady. <laughs> like, I just want to order my chicken nuggets there at um, Chick-fil-A. Leave me alone. <laughs> I mean, look, but leave me alone. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I get it. But please, I'm saving myself for my lady friend. <laughs> no, um. Oh, uh, what was I gonna say? Son of a gun! You, nah, I wasn't paying attention. You and your words. <laughs> you and your words. You set me off. Damn it! It was gonna be funny too. It was gonna be. Fu- oh no! It wasn't gonna be funny. It was sad. This is the saddest thing that happened over Christmas break. Uh, actually, there's probably several sad things that I'm not thinking of now. But I'm in such a happy mood seeing you. My brain won't let me think of bad things. I really hurt my back. Well, oh yeah, I woke up. Did you tell me that? Yeah, I woke up in the yeah. middle of uh, oh actually gosh. in the middle of the day. It was in the middle of a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up and I could barely get out of bed. And I'm like, 
Oh my goodness, what has happened? So, you know, you're doing the stretching thing. It hurt like hell to stand upright. I'm like oh, no. doing all this posture stuff and I'm trying to like get everything working. It was hurting, buddy. It was hurting. So I'm trying to get everything like situated and I spent uh, every time I would lay down, stabbing pain. It ended up Shannon came back and I had horrible crippling pain for about two more days. Um, I aggressively used this massager that I bought for the uh, the shin splints. Oh, shin splints are now gone. Awesome. I've returned. I followed the advice of the uh, the the physical trainer, physical therapist, excuse me. And the, it's not it's not microfractures. It's shin splints. So got the exercise going. Haven't had a problem. I've been doing about four miles a day. It's been nice of walking and, and getting back into it. But uh, I used the dang thing on my back. Nothing is helping and uh, I think I just, I, I think it was just a muscle. And I realized it was when I was sitting in my office chair here. So the, the last time we recorded was the last time, like the whole, the whole rest of the time, it was stabbing pain. It never went away from the last time we recorded for like a solid two weeks. So I literally took that chair. Until this very moment. <laughs> until this moment. When I saw your face, I was literally healed by your eyes. Um, eyebrows. I felt some pain. I, th- I felt some power leave leave my body. Who touched me? <laughs> Who touched me via Skype? Um, no. So I took the chair, threw it in the garage, and I've been standing. And and since I didn't have to be at work, I didn't have to sit all day at work. So I've been doing just a lot of uh, really bizarre stretching exercises and stuff. So it's all good now. So my ankle started to my feet. Well, my left foot like was. Swelling. We are such old men. Uh, well, <laughs> you think you have problems? My left ankle is. We're at the point in time in our lives. Well, here's the thing: I just have to do now every day <laughs> to be normal um, because of the uh, my heart. I don't know if it's because of my high arches and of the, and because of the supination in my legs, which apparently is. On my, I'm sorry, on my feet, which apparently is very r- rare and weird. So that's cool. Um, my like, uh, Christina and Emily were just like goo when they saw my feet, and they're like, and it's not just because of your feet; it's like that looks a little weird. And I was like, wait, it kind of does. <laughs> and uh, so I've been that's been weird. But okay, anyways, I've got some topics. Luke, I have some topics too. Uh, I have uh, I I have I have one thing. No, we don't always. Oh, do bull. The last few times I've had a topic for six weeks, I've been trying to do. It's true. It's true. But first, follow up. Okay, yeah, Luke. Yeah, I have a segment of a show I like to call "Gomer Discovered Another YouTube oh Religion." <laughs> <laughs> what is it now? Guess. Oh, I don't know. Um, uh, here's here's my YouTube stuff right now. It is soccer stuff, and it okay. is background things that Aaron likes to have on while she's doing work, and um. I don't know what else. I, 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 I'm not on TV ever, man. I don't know. Okay. Here's my YouTube obsession. It, it, it's not really an obsession. It's more of a religion. DJ Pogo. No. <laughs> it is a one web channel, a web channel, YouTube channel. It is called Clean My Space. Gosh. Is this- and it is a woman who is 39 years mm-hmm. old, and she started a professional cleaning company when she was like 22. Mm-hmm. And she just teaches you how to clean. And she's funny, and the videos are like eight minutes long. And I watched it while Shannon was gone. And she uses things like vinegar mm-hmm. yeah, we do and that. baking soda yeah. for like everything. That's and I was like, normal. holy crap, I'm going to try this stuff. <laughs> well, we have all the, we have the two things. We have the 
standard vat of chemicals yeah. that off gas pure poison that's to clean my kids room bathroom uh and then we have the way overpriced hipster stuff probably the it's exact hard. same yeah. product but looks yeah. like it's hipster it's stuff. Design oh this so- bottle of yeah this bottle was made back in the 20s Target. or yesterday You're right i do <laughs> want this look how they do their ends it's very round <laughs> yeah no kidding no that's kidding. awesome so here can i can i just predict how this please, is going for please. for you so what's uh, happened is you've watched this like 80 times and you've gotten the endorphins or like the um dopamine from getting the feeling like you are doing it but you're not but you're seeing a person do it so you get all of the tension and the relief without any of the work and then you've done a bit of it yourself and you experienced it because it was fun and it was new then you've invited your kids to do it a bit and they've really kind of enjoyed it but now it's becoming a thing so you're slowly starting to peter off is, is that where are we in that cycle is that has that already happened or like are we kind of towards the end or you hate how right i am don't don't you this is a car thing so i sh- you've done this with so the- i showed <laughs> so i showed my kids how to clean it. according to the principles of clean my city and i i'm still in the honeymoon okay, phase okay. so uh, the novelty hasn't worn off yet yeah okay, okay. Um, it hasn't petered off yet but I will tell you, I have never made more volcanoes of baking soda and vinegar <laughs> in my life than I have at all the sinks in my house. <laughs> oh, man, you nailed it. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I will say, the car thing has had many benefits. My kids made their first $20, $5 each. All four of my kids cleaned my neighbor's dollar bill with, did the wheel cleaner with the scrubber, did all the things with the the correct paint safe uh car washing soap and when was you know, the last time you did it about two weeks ago no oh, okay. i did it with my kids yeah no no, no i bad. did it no but then bad. before that it was like six months <laughs> <laughs> i was just really annoyed with my kids when my <laughs> wife was gone so i was like i'll clean my car and then they were doing it all wrong so i was like i'll clean my car you go clean mom's car <laughs> now, now i just gotta pay you to clean his poorly <laughs> he came over my neighbor he's a really nice guy and he's like hey uh, you know I, I need my truck washed and i'd love to have your kids do it I'll, I'll do it you know i'll pay him 20 bucks and i go oh 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 washed washed it'll come out with swirl marks and all this stuff he goes i know but the kids will think it's fun and i was like they will and then we had freezing cold for four days and then horrible rains and then today it's it was a little bit warm uh after the chills and uh, when I got home, Shannon said, uh, yeah, they cleaned his car and he gave him a 20 for, you know, $5 each kid. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, pretty funny. Oh, uh, good for him. Did you take a 10% cut as you should, as what was entitled to you? Well, he paid in a 20 and uh. so I'm like, okay, kids, don't worry. Daddy will make change at the bar. So. <laughs> Dad, why do we owe the bar money? Quiet. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome hey i'm very proud of you that is that that is very cool um, clean my space clean my space Love okay that we heard you <laughs> clean. Just it just went really loud on my headphones I was like, oh. clean. ladies and gentlemen boys and girls the time has come it's a new better help read so this episode of catching foxes is sponsored by better help is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals if you're a fan of this podcast it's odds are it's either a your job or b a breakup better help will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist you'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours it's true it's super fast it's pretty awesome it's not a crisis line it's not self-help it is professional therapy done securely online there's a broad range of expertise available which may not be locally available 
available in many areas. I think that's is one of my favorite parts of what BetterHelp offers because if you're having, so you have like a sex addiction or you're, or you're struggling with, what else do people have addictions to? You know, um, Jeopardy. They've got the right people who can help you with uh, in, in the right areas. And I think that's very, very cool. This service is available for clients worldwide. So all of our UK friends, you guys are good. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely, thoughtful responses. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. And I know all of our introverts on here love that. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change therapists if you need to. It's more affordable than traditional therapy, and love this fact right here, financial aid is available. BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Uh, I love this. It's over at betterhelp.com slash slash reviews. But if you are ready to go, go to betterhelp.com slash foxes. That's better H-E-L-P dot com slash foxes and join over two million people that is a lot i mean you know not as many downloads as we have but still two million people is a lot who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional in fact so many people have been using better help that's h-e-l-p they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states special offer for catching foxes listeners that's you get 10 percent off your first month at betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash foxes and get 10 percent off your first month thank you to better help for sponsoring this here episode of catching foxes um, so I have two things I'd like to talk with you about today. I'm so excited. Uh, a couple things. Uh, Uno is I did Exodus um 90, but for Lent, and I have some thoughts, not on Exodus um 90, but just on Christian, on Catholicism as a whole, as I tend to do. And then Spider-Man and some Hawkeye, maybe a little bit of MCU if you want to. I have some uh, music stuff too that we can do. It's, you know, it's, it, it's been a while, so we can bounce around. Yeah, I have Spider-Man on my list as well. Good. Great. You, Good. If we were on Good. top of things, we would have almost shared our list. Although I did mine in the shared folder on Google Drive. Oh, nice. So Question for you. Question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carla Molina-Leadership. Yes. Is, are we doing a thing for her this week? Yes. Yes. I don't know if we... I was just I'm thinking about that. I need to check and see if we got the copy for that. So, If not, you got... 24 hours. <laughs> when, uh, when are you going to start to edit? Uh, Probably. I mean, I have to do it tomorrow night or or Friday. I mean, okay. All right. so you have 24 hours. That's fine. Bitch. <gasps> okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. Exodus 90. So you did the wuss version of no, it over I Advent. Did, I did. The little baby the... version. Oh, Exodus sorry. 20. No, Exodus, okay. Exodus 1. You did e- it for one day. Christmas Eve's Eve. Enjoy your Protestantism. So uh, <laughs> I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts. One, mm. way back when we had a conversation within, uh, we, just to you know keep his uh, anonymity. Nailed it. <laughs> hey, here we go. It's late. I'm super tired. Uh, sure. I'll just say an Australian friend who has a YouTube uh, channel that's now over on some other ones. I forget what they're called. Who knows who it is? Who knows uh, who Mel it is? Gibson. Probably Mel yeah, Gibson. Yeah, yeah. Go pr- on. Pr- probably Mel. And I was like... I was like, Mel Gibson, you did some weird stuff, and I feel like you're trying to make your life better, and that's good. You've actually made some good stuff um, since then, but you haven't like directed anything that's been spectacular. I kind of want to see if you've got one more in you. Anyways, he was like, hey, Gomer and Luke. That's not, it was over text. This is before our friend, who knows who, who it is, is now impossible to get a hold of because he's gotten rid of yep. all that stuff. Anyways, who knows? Um, it, is Matthew Kelly? Could be. Um, <laughs> we will call him the unabomber for now he lives in a shack he wears yeah. 
uh, hoodies yeah. knitted from uh, various youth conference T-shirts over the years that he's accumulated is fine. Somehow he always has he always has a cool haircut that's way better than ours. And every video I see, it's like again with the new haircut. What is going on here? Uh, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he said, "Look at this video. It's a bit much." And it was someone like I don't want to actually say what the video was, but his main thing was it was a very good point. Was my problem with this stuff is, is isn't what he's saying per se, but it said everyone is acting like this is the thing that will save you or it's going to like I'm save the church or like he goes they leave no room for different types of spirituality within the church that yeah. basically just because this works for you doesn't mean that this is going to appeal to everyone or even that's what God wants everyone to do it just works for you and that's yeah. the beauty of our church is there's actually I hate the I hate the I um, mean use the word spirituality because I feel like because of the modern context of that word it kind of gets dis it gets distorted a bit but basically there are things that speak to some people and things that speak to others Exodus 90 I'm not sure really works well for me I think I real I thought the four week one was I would almost say for like for Advent a little bit too short, but here's what I really I really liked. I really liked the fact that it was very liturgical. I really 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 liked that. And if there's one criticism of X ninety that I would have, and what they do is great. This is this is just a yeah. this is kind of. Kind of my own thing is like it's not very liturgical and it feels like glorified I'm self self improvement, which it is. And there's nothing inherently I'm wrong with that. But this gets to my main point right here that I think sometimes I had talked at ad nauseum about how the church is going through a huge Emmaus moment right now, and I think it's very very cool. And by that I mean. Uh, we are rediscovering who we're heading back into the heart of the church to see her old traditions. I have to uh, plug in my computer roll really quick before it dies. Um, we are experiencing this thing where we're, we're, dis- we're discovering things like the, uh, can you, you know, that thing that like uh, Taz a Chan or they, they, they do it right during Holy week. I think on Thursday night where they like, I'm a rumble in the stairs and they, th- and they like th- throw their books on the floor when it's the time for the tomb, they pray all the chants like in Latin stuff and it's all dark. Yeah, and they have um, candles. It gets darker, darker. Like, like that's a very old um, tradition of the church that every parish used to do. That we haven't done in a very, very long time. Sorry, I have to hold on one. Yeah, second. go do that. Yeah. I'm really, really sorry to do this. Um, my charger because I haven't been up here in two weeks. All of my normal stuff is in here. I had to charge my phone. What the hell? Ugh, Luke, so exhausting. Hold, please. Okay, and I think things like a lot of the more interest in uh, traditional types of um, masses, different things. It's the it's the same thing. All good stuff. All very very um good things that like we're seeing the wealth and the depth and and the beauty of of the church. And there is a um there is a practice uh, called um. A carnival. And what do you know about carnivals, Gomer? Carnival. Um, farewell to meat is what it literally means. Mm-hmm. Um, it is like a Mardi Gras where there's a big celebration and all this stuff. But in a lot of the medieval carnivals, what they would do is there is also a dramatic reversal of roles. 
So you would have often the bishop and the lord of the of the city, the nobility, they would be made fun of. Um, they would be kind of trashed their reputation, not their reputation, but they would be mocked all day long. They would crown a king of the king and queen of the festival, um, which were usually people who were kind of outcasts. See the carnival at the uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame movie, um, the Disney movie. They, uh, they it was uh, it was a letting loose of a lot of uh, steam and pressure that had kind of built up over the year in a lot of Catholic ancient liturgical practices or, you know, uh, observances. And then it would culminate with a lot of feasting and stuff. And then you go into the fasting of Lent. And I think what's really interesting about that is it's really easy to view it as through a modern um, lens, which is why are they mocking the like lowest of the low to just tear down the highest of the high. Hmm. And it, when you um, when you take a look at like what they were doing, everyone was on board with this. It was just, I think one of the key parts is is the letting off of steam. This idea that they understood that when you forbid people to do these things, or you or you say, and I don't mean like again, I don't mean forbid yeah. as in like you dumb person, you can. It's just like hey, this is a wrong thing to do. Don't do it. This is not good. Yeah. Um, it actually when you're doing the current, uh, they they saw that they needed people needed to blow off steam, but they can't. It becomes too much, and I, I really like the idea of a carnival being a festival. And this is a thing that, like Joseph Pieper, talked a bit about, uh, yeah. and he and he and he saw the carnival as um, you know part of a festival, and this idea that um, it is cannot be conceived. Is this, this is actually a uh, uh, this is a quote from him that a that like like I'm real I'm a festival cannot be conceived with ad with ad joy, and there first must be a there must be a substantial um, reason for joy, which might also be called the um, a festive occasion. And I love that idea. And when I first heard about the carnival being a thing of where you could try to like, uh, you try, you uh, try, we tried to um, blow off steam a bit was in the book, how to not be secular by Charles. Um, I'm sorry, by James K. Smith about the book. Some of the secular by, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that uh, Charles Murray's book, um, Sorry, Charles. Is it uh, Charles uh, Taylor? I think. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Charles Taylor. Charles Murray's the other guy. Uh, <laughs> Charles. Charles Taylor book is like nine hundred pages long and is yeah. awesome and deep and epic. And Bishop Barron references whenever you hear Bishop Barron talk about the buffered self versus the poorest self. That's what he's referencing. But James, uh, what's his name? James Smith. James K. Right? Smith. Yeah. Yeah. James, James K. K. Smith yeah. is a reformed theologian. He is flipping hysterical. And he wrote a book called How, and then in parentheses, Not to Be Sec, How Not to Be Secular. And it was like a summation of Charles Taylor's work and with, you know, in, in a lot of his own original thoughts thrown in. And he met Charles Taylor at a conference and he was like, he's, he walked up to him and he's like, I read your book. And he's like, What do you think of it? <laughs> he just said, uh, It was a lot better than mine. I loved it. <laughs> That's and he awesome. was like, ah! <laughs> you know, it's like one of your heroes. I just saying that, but my he, pants. Yeah, he also wrote a wonderful book, just a side note, called Desiring the Kingdom. And it is the best, one of the best, not the best, but one of the best introductions to liturgy and defense of liturgy. And he's a Reformed Baptist, right? And he's mm-hmm. arguing, he's like, it's not that I think that we should all go back to 10th century Celtic worship in, in, the, in the Catholic Church, but we probably should. That's, that was one of the things he says. His YouTube videos are, he's well, hilarious. So, and yeah. I, and I on. think, like, and like that when he talked about carnivals, it, re- it really kind of changed my, I, I don't know, I, I, because I knew carnivals had root in the church, but I didn't know, like, really exactly what. 
And when he when he talked about it in terms of um, a thing that there is like a humor to it, and it didn't have a level. It wasn't some serious thing that was going on. It was just it was meant to be like a um, joyous thing because of this um, serious thing we're going to do because of joy, right? So, and there's actually this one um, Joseph Pieper quote where he's uh, uh, where he quotes. I'm going to mispronounce his name. I'm so sorry, Christostenum. Oh, Chrysostom. There we go. Sorry. You the know, golden tongue. Went to yeah. in public school. And it's where where um, love rejoices. Not there, for college. Is, <laughs> yeah, right. Where love rejoices, yeah. there is there is festivity. And I love that quote. And when I think about things like Exodus 90, and this could be part of like what they want to I don't know. I, I don't again, I don't I'm, this is this is I'm not against them. This is more a bit about sometimes our reaction to these big, intense spiritual stuff that we do. I think we tend to take a bit of a a American Protestant viewpoint, which is to go all in, be hardcore. This is a thing that you have to do in order to um, like it's through this work that you're going to um, allow this to happen. And and of course, work like doing the work is part of it. But I feel like there's we have no sense of like of. Um, like, why don't we have a carnival type of thing before we do Exodus um ninety, or by or by doing Exodus um ninety, you are pulling yourself out of the carnival aspect of going into Lent, which I actually think might be kind of a good thing for us to start to reclaim a bit. Mm-hmm. And this idea of like we, it cannot just be toil, toil, toil like toil, like and toil. <laughs> And toil, and even when we do have our festivals, like you know, like Easter, her, her Christmas, um, some groups do a really good um, job. But we still, for the most part, have like a secular attitude towards towards them. And I, and I started to just um, think about my own experience of Exodus ninety, and especially when I did it during um, Lent, how I didn't really have anything to kind of like let loose and and rejoice the fact that I was about to go into this thing. Like one part of the carnival is you would go to, you would also go to um, confession or like something like that because you were getting ready, you know, like you would eat all the meat that you had because it was, it, so it like wouldn't go bad while you weren't eating it and yeah. different things like that. And yeah. I, I just, I think it'd be good if, as we continue to like have, to have, to have this Emmaus, this type of um, Emmaus experience. So we don't just, I'm going to limit it to our experience of liturgy, which is very good. I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm saying it's not. Um, so back off everyone. Um, I'm not responding to any of your messages anyways, <laughs> but um, we t- take a look at some of the more practical things that, 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 that the church has encouraged other people to do because there's a reason why they, why they did that. And I think for me, I find a lot of like I'm like that's I think that would be I think that would have helped me enter into it more as a real liturgical experience as opposed to this like hey bra let, let's get holy. <laughs> can I so can I offer can, okay number one I love everything you're saying number two of course can I do. offer a criticism of you shut the hell up can I can yeah, I yeah 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 okay. Okay, this is something I've observed, and I'm probably wrong, but sometimes I think that when there are Christian things that revolve around or even celebrate the difficulty of things, like mortification, you have a knee-jerk tendency to reduce it to bro 
Christianity, masculine Christianity. Um, the I, because your number one okay. criticism of Exodus, not because. So I I think for me, when I first looked at Exodus ninety, the first thing I saw was not the cold showers. It was not the um you know all the mortifications that you do every day throughout the week. The first thing I saw was this is for men who are addicted to pornography. That's the whole point of it, right? Mm-hmm. And you look mm-hmm. at it, and the way, the reason why they chose the book of Exodus, and there's that awkward part where you got to spend six days reading about curtains and, and all the different, uh, you know, linens used in, to, make the, uh, to make the tabernacle in the wilderness, like the tent in the wilderness, um, which is the part of Exodus 90 that everyone hates. Uh, what I saw in that was... Listen, we're all addicted to pornography. The guys that wrote it were seminarians with a with the help of a priest. And the priest was like, We never said cold showers. I'm not doing that crap. But I can guarantee and and I, I would one hundred percent agree it devolves very easily or it can devolve very easily into look at what I can do. You know, I did Exodus ninety, I didn't cheat, you know, I didn't eat snacks or sweets or desserts or whatever. But the whole point of it is for men who are sexually on overdrive because of their porn addiction and they don't know how to say no and that's where it was originally conceived from i don't i mean i do okay so point well taken there are two things that i want to want to respond to one is um i do have issues with I, I I think you are right. There there is a part of me that uh, I, I want to make sure that, that I'm responding to what you said correctly because I have no problem with like dying to self or doing anything like that. So I I don't agree with that at all. Okay, but I mean, like I think that stuff is really important. My issue is I feel like it's my experience of this is constantly. It's always about um, I'm going to steal from Kevin Heidergen, even though he's not talking about this. At all, but this is just based on like this other conversation that that like that we had. It feels like it's very much in love with the gift as opposed to the giver, and so it's more of the conversation a like around that that stuff that I that I have a little bit of a of just a like. So I okay, like I'm with you. I feel like a lot of the sorry you had a there, there was a lot that you said. I want to make sure that I, I responded. So let me just start with like. With like what you're saying about like I, it's it's I'm not that I have a problem with dying, dying to self or, or anything, but I do have a problem with um, is this actually? And I, I'm not saying that that this is not happening. So so just mm-hmm. just hear me out, okay? Is this actually drawing you to Christ, or is this just another idea that you're getting excited about? Like another idea, like another fad marketing. Yes, thing no, or just thing. Yeah. and, and yeah, it just yeah. it's just taking the form of like I'm Christian. Is this is this a thing that we're doing because we've all had an experience of God and we really really um like it? So here's another thing to do, or is it truly about growing? I'm growing. I'm closer to Christ. And where I get concerned about it is, for example, is like when you brought up that like you want to do it every um year or something. I'm like I don't know if that's actually good. And I because I. And I, I'm not. I don't mean like. And I'm not trying to. I'm criticize um, you or anything. But I, I this. It's the I can handle that it. You're only supposed to do the 30 day retreat like once or twice throughout your entire life, right? Yeah. Like it's not meant to be. Especially like there. 
and if it pulls you out of things like what like if it like basically makes the liturgical part of the year not pointless but you're kind of doing your own your own um, thing with and and it's and now like of course like overlaps with that but it almost like um, supersedes it to, to like a certain mm. extent like is that actually a thing that we should be doing all the time or is it is it a good thing to i mean i don't see a problem i'm you know um i don't see a problem doing that like once every um, couple of years by any means um, by any means unnecessary but when it becomes this thing that i feel like i constantly have to do because this is the new thing that everyone's doing and it works that's where i get concerned at, about is like are we really falling in love with Christ or are we just falling in love with another thing? Is it just more productivity porn? Yeah. And and, and I think you have a valid point about, about the whole, like, I don't get the impression anymore that it's about like porn and that break from it, but I'm also like not there in my headspace for that stuff anymore. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not like worried. I don't know. If, I don't know. If, I don't know. That's that's kind of yeah. No, no, no. I, because I think I've moved a bit beyond that of like I just need a break from all this stuff. I'm like yeah. Because when there, you don't, so I may not be seeing it. When you don't go. So I had a group of guys that when I first went through it, I knew one guy really well, another guy a little bit, and I didn't know anyone else. And the group of guys that I did it with were honest, genuine, solid Catholic men. Mm-hmm. who had some of them would say of the on their own that some had a solid prayer life a solid liturgical life a solid catholic life um and others didn't they went to church yeah they they had the church thing which is how probably some of them would describe it or all a lot of them would describe it but they didn't get the mortification stuff like that was like lent to them was just a weird okay i give up a thing and what exodus 90 helped them do was and if you remember the episodes where we talked about it was for me it was a huge reset of my defaults i default unlike people who have self-control and self-discipline and wherever they are i default to indulgence to overindulgence on the things that i overindulge and exodus 90 is like all right here's the deal there's a lot of disorders as a part of our modern world and the main one is pornography for men Men can find it anywhere, even if you don't want it. It's going to pop up in your search feed, in your news feed. It's going to, or things are going to be highly sexually suggestive. Even if you're doing your best and you got covenant eyes on everything, it can still find you. And so the idea is, all right, well, some men are so overwhelmed with sinful or lustful or just whatever indulgence that something like this is a radical wake-up call. And Other I, men, it's just them. Because here's the deal. I've seen it work multiple times in people's lives that it radically, it radically changed. Now they're praying every day. They're praying with I, their I family. Like, here's, I'm yeah. not even talking about Exodus 90, though. I'm trying to talk about a carnival. So like, and like this right here is what bothers me about it. What? Is because I'm trying to talk about like a, a festival, like a, a, an actual like part of the church. And that's yeah. part of like the um, life of the church and, and like the um, history of of the church and i think i we always just talk about this stuff it's always about the like like yeah okay like i mean i'm i'm not trying to say that it's bad but i am um, i guess what i am what i am trying uh to say is there are parts there are things that the church has uh 
and the things that that, that there is the church has done that I think could be very beneficial for us right now that we could like rediscover. And that okay. is an example. And I'm not saying that at the expense of Exodus 90, but I feel like you can't have these conversations without it becoming what we just did, which was like a 20 minute on uh, defense of Exodus 90. I'm like, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just, I'm saying okay, that. Well, like, let me just say the way you led into it was like, because my question was, do you reduce mortification in certain of these things to macho Christianity? And your response was, no, what I want to do is avoid this self-help, self-obsessed thing, that uh, fad-based Christian fad thing, because it's not connected to the liturgical life of the church. You know, you do it for 90 days and not, you know, the days of Lent, uh, the 40 days of Lent and all these things that em- envelop this. And but the the way you kind of set it up in the transition to me wasn't so. Tell me about how festivity. You were like, it, it seemed like you were just like, it's like, it still seemed like you were criticizing Exodus ninety, and I was trying to show how the things like Exodus ninety, or, or actually no, just Exodus ninety in particular, helped men who didn't have a prayer life, who didn't go to mass, who didn't get connected to, no, and, and that's did, fine, and, yeah, and well, okay, then let me say this. And who didn't feast with the church. Feast. Right? Because, you know, for the first time in people's lives, they said things like, I had no idea every Sunday was a mini Easter. Every single, you know, for St. Patrick's Day, for St. Um, uh, Joseph's Feast Day, for things like that, all fasting ceases and you start the festivity. Now, I happen to live in Houston where a lot of the people in our group are Cajun right? They're all Louisiana boys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we all, you know, sometimes we would have a party where our families would get together and we would do a big Mardi Gras, right? Carnival. Mardi Gras is a form of Fat Tuesday, right? So there a lot. I I will agree with you. I think Haley Stewart said it best. Um, I I went and binged. This is one of my topics. I binged a lot of the Word on Fire Institute videos. Uh, I wanted to do Bishop Barron's Von Balthazar stuff because I hadn't seen it yet. And, uh, and then I went to Haley Stewart's thing on living the liturgical year and living saints and celebrating them in the domestic church. And one of the things that she says, and she quotes Joseph Peeper's um, In Tune with the World and all the stuff on festivity, and she literally quoted the same quote that you do, where love rejoices, uh, there is festivity. Her whole uh, thing is, we don't know how to feast because we don't know how to fast, and we don't know how to fast because we don't know how to feast. Like, it's so, our relationship to food And our relationship Mm -hmm. to fasting is so disordered because it's nothing other than weight and health and body image and health optimization and all this stuff that the whole point of celebrating the goodness of life has been thrown out the window. So we don't know how to feast well. We don't know how to celebrate with others. For you and for me, St. Patrick's Day was maybe mass in the morning if we got up early enough. But it was honestly about drinking beer, right? Yeah, like, right. But just think about how many, when we talk about like 4th of July, what do you do? Well, we overeat and we drink. Uh, Thanksgiving, what do you do? Well, you overeat and you drink. Christmas Eve, what do you do? Well, if you're at a Christmas party, you overeat and you drink, right? Like, so that's a Jim Gaffigan line. Like, so much of our holidays are about overindulgence. It's not really about festivity, enjoying the good things of this earth because they're good. But I, and I will agree with you for or if this is what you're saying that the 90 days of exodus 90 
when because you start it like everyone's if you're going to start it and end with good friday it starts here on like the january 16th or something it's not lent right it doesn't correspond with lent it's not a lenten or an adventin um mortification season it's like super lent and so i do think yeah that that break can pull you away from the habits that when you get into the feasting and the feast days of the church you're like well i can't do that because i'm you know and not just liturgically but also with your family so one of the things that i have always done from the beginning is my family is more important than my adherence to the rules of exodus 90 so once a week we did a family movie night i was there with my family you know i did not renounce television for 90 days i gave it up for the most part but when my kids are sitting there and we're all doing the family movie night because it's a big thing in my house and we watch all different types of movies and stuff like i need my kids and well there goes daddy not being plugged into the family you know i didn't want that at all so i just said screw it i'm doing all that stuff yeah i i i, I guess my um I am concerned that, and this is okay, so. This is why I wanted to bring this up: is that there is a history there for the church that is very important. Because, like, what's what's um, the Chesterton quote? Uh, Traditions the, is like the voice of the dead, or something like that. No, or is the tradition the is yeah. Tradition is the democracy of the dead. Oh, the dead. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, I. I do get like I I like I I really like I I was I mean I I was like actually mad but when you said like you did like the worst version of XS9 I'm like right. actually I feel like I did like the more like liturgical like things <laughs> in line with the, with this thing we all say that we like we like believe in um, um version like I really I really liked it yeah. and I I I'm I'm glad that I did XS90 um when I did I would do it again with certain people to be able to like us. There's some people who have like I'm brought up. Where I'm like, hey, if like if you, you know like if you need more people, I would love to do it with you guys to like help you guys with this or like or to be or to be a part of it. But I I think that I I think there's probably um, more. There's a lot that we can learn from the church, and I think things like Exodus ninety are a great way to like ground yourself in that. But I think to stay there and to constantly yeah. go back to that or to view like you have, if you're not doing, like I've heard the guy say, if you don't do it for like um, 90 days, you aren't, you aren't, I'm doing it at, at all. And that, and I do. That's literally that. in their manual. But I, yeah. but like, this is why I say like, I feel like it should be like a one time thing. Cause I don't agree with you that it is like a super Lent. I don't. I think it's like a, a real intense way to like to like, um, which is good to um, grow in virtue and to do all those things. But like, there's only one Lent, and it's not, it's not like a special version of Lent. We're we're not diving to the deeper heart of the church or the or the. We're not diving. Um, we, we're not when we're doing the first half of it. That's not during um a Lent. We are not. Um, what's that line in like a second where they say like during. Easter, we actually are more close to the resurrection or something than we are during different parts of the year. Like we are like entering into it into a more um, a deeper way. That's not going on during the first half of Exodus. Um, the, uh, from the first half of Exodus ninety, from a, from a liturgical standpoint, in terms of like the reality yeah. that the church and, and that's 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 what I mean by 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 that. And 
just that I think the church offers us a lot, and I, I'm starting to view this stuff a bit as like, this is very good, but it's almost like, um, you know, when you're at, like on the youth group, and you and you start, and you maybe had a conversion, and you're going to all of like the fun stuff. But at some point in time, you got to dive a little bit. I'm a little bit. I'm deeper. You need to be like you yeah. need to have like a small group. You need to do like you know. I feel like Exodus almost ninety is kind of that. Like here's the first kind of part stuff, and then some of the things that like the church offers that we don't do are some of like the deeper things that could actually like we could find a lot of um, wealth in the church that could actually help us um, mature in our faith more. And that's where I think a lot of my my and my and my problem isn't with Exodus ninety; it's with mm. the conversation and the buzz around it that tends yeah. that tends to happen. Because it's just like, well, if I'm not doing this, I guess I'm not trying to be holy during Lent, or if I do it during like Advent, I'm told it's the weaker version of it, and I'm like, that's it's kind yeah. of a dick thing to say. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm I'm I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not trying I'm pick on you you or anything. This is this is my whole this is like my issue with just yeah, no, but I've large. heard that from tons of people. They, that's what they say. They're like, oh, because the, a bunch of my friends just did it. And they were like, does anyone want to do the the scaled down version? And for them, 90 days versus 40 days is a scaled down version where you don't have to do cold showers. And that was literally like their thing. And a bunch of guys were like, nah, I'm not going to do the wuss version. Right. But like was, that is the conversation around it. Right. And I guess like what bothers me was it was really good for like yeah. me and the guys that I did it with. Like it was re- like I can't do cold showers because of my uh, stroke and my like and because of my um, because um, of my like blood pressure. I can't do it every day. So my just was because I can't do the whole thing. And I, and I know that 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 people are yeah. I'm saying that, but it's like just because it works for you or it's good doesn't mean it's what the whole. I don't mean you. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm fine. I'm trying so hard to not offend you. You're like issuing all these disclaimers, and I'm fine. It's good. It just I'm like it's not for like the thing that's for everyone is what the church does in terms of here's the thing that everyone has to do. Mm-hmm. That's what's for everyone, and I, um, I just get worried that sometimes we're so caught up, and and I do this all the time in the ideas of these things that in like the gift that we forget the giver which to a certain extent is the church yeah in this yeah. you know and like i just like um i see it all the time in the protestant church where it gets all about this one thing and all about oh, this yeah. thing that we have to do and that's gonna like this is what really makes you holy now yeah. i really said the jesus prayer and now i'm saved and it's like that's not how any of this that's not reality yeah that's not reality yeah no let, let me back up what you're saying because I do agree with you that Exodus 90, outside of the the conversation that you have, it can very, you know, the conversations that are going around and what what people say, it can very easily be corrupted by pride and being like, I did the hard thing. I did the difficult thing. You know, what are you doing? You know, are you not, oh, you're not man enough. Like, I have literally heard people say that, which is obviously completely refutes the point of mortification, which means death to self. It doesn't mean killing other people by how holy you are, right? Like literally the exact opposite. So, and that tendency is absolutely there. It's absolutely there. It's it's absolutely there for every spiritual discipline, whether you're talking about mental prayer, vocal prayer, you know, mortifications, whatever, because in the end, your pride can corrupt everything. The point of mortification though, Mm -hmm. is to have the ability to give your will breathing room. So oh, that yeah, you yeah. can reject pride. 
right? Not so that you can do more mortifications for mortification's sake. And that is always the danger. I think that's always the danger in America, in American Christianity, because we are so readily influenced by stoicism. You know, the grin and bear it, you know, um, being mm-hmm. indifferent to my emotions and just dive in. I think stoicism is a constant appeal to committed Christians. And rigorism, I think, for a lot of people is the secret hardcore Christianity. And they're afraid to allow the place of festivity. Like, they're, they're afraid they're afraid of it probably because of their own past and their own indulgence, but rigorists, people who are, you know, rigorous in their approach to spirituality, they always want to, and this is their sin, is they always want to show that they're the hardcore ones about their faith. And the danger is the whole point of festivity in, in Joseph Pieper's book, In Tune with the World, the whole point of the book is to show you that, you know, in the six days of creation and the resting on the seventh day, the idea is you're entering into the goodness of creation, right? Mm-hmm. And for people who are rigorous, like just think of the Puritans and all that stuff, they're drained of color. Everything is gray. Everything is beige. Everything is lifeless. It's just duty because that's what Stoics do. They are immune to emotion. They're immune to beauty. They're immune to lovely things. But God is lovely. God is beauty, right? God is found in the most useless of things, and that's what makes it the most important thing. And so the great line from, uh, what's his name, Yosef Pieper, is we, we don't renounce things then except for love. Love has to be the motivation, not my machismo, not my um, look what I can do, you know. Um, and I do, think, I do think you're very, very right when you point out that um, – you may need this, and I, I, I would say you're wrong in that maybe some people do need it year after year. Um, not every year, but you know something more often than just once. Uh, well, because no, no. I, sorry, really quick. I don't mean once. I mean like just once. Like I would say, like f- I think f- it'd be great for on me to be once every uh, five years. Yeah, I don't mean like once. I just mean right. Not every so year. for certain, for certain people, like the the guys that I did Exodus ninety with, they all said nope. What I needed from it, I'm now done. And they did it three years in a row. Some of them did it once mm-hmm. and then skipped a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just said, no, 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 I'm done. I, I got what I needed, and what they needed was mental prayer, really. It was mental prayer. But you're right. The liturgical side of things, I think, needs to be driven more into our Catholic hearts. And I think more like more than any other time in my life, Luke, I think that is what is missing from Catholicism today is mm-hmm. an ability to honestly rejoice in the feasts of the church. Not just, hey, it's Sunday, we got to go to Mass. Hey, it's a holy day, we got to go to Mass. Yeah. The things that I'm learning from the Mexicans is, <laughs> no, but seriously, is though, you freaking love the Lord with your body. You love the Lord with little sugar breads. You love the Lord with mananitas. You love the Lord with mariachis. You love the Lord with a thousand different traditions that they incorporate in their daily lives. And it is so amazing, but it's 100%. Here's the deal. It's 100% liturgical. 
it's a hundred. This is what I was just saying. This to the woman mm-hmm. um, that's helping me run our Spanish ministry. I was saying this is the thing that I love about uh, Posadas and Navinas. Like the Navinas starts or ends with um, December. 24th it ends with christmas right it ends with christmas eve but you go from house to house and you pray the uh the novena together preparing for the christ child so it's like here's this devotion that feeds into the liturgy and then you go into the liturgy and then you bring the liturgy home and you open presents and you do all that like this is the reciprocity between faith and daily life and the sacraments that i i believe is 100 missing and i'm only just beginning to recover and I think you're, there's this. Um, you brought up a really interesting uh, point when you said like people overindulge, like like they they drink and then they overeat. They they like I'm drinking then and then they overeat. And I think that's what as Americans we are very 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 much an all or nothing people. Yeah. So I think there's this thing where it's like, well, if I'm doing the carnival or if I'm doing the if I'm doing the day of you know indulgence, it's either twelve beers or it's none. Yeah. Yeah. You know. You know. And I'm like, that's not. Catholic like that's not like the overindulgence part is like when I went to the U.S. on the men's game I drank a lot I also spaced it out I also drank a whole lot of water and when I woke up I really didn't have that much of a headache you know but your sister did leave a glass of water and 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 I was like I'll take that almost just in case but I was kind of like you know I I I kind of I do recall while I was driving home I was like I I did it right (laughs) <laughs> you know, like 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 this. I is drank a, a lot more than I usually do, but I also drank a lot more water. Like than I yeah, usually like and do. I yeah. like this is a once every four years thing. I will probably I'm never you know. I mean, God, it was two o. It was two o. It was, it was I you know I saw like yeah it was amazing. <laughs> like it was such a fun thing, and I'm like I did it the right way, and that was and like that's when you do it res- responsibly. Like if you if you like typically have two, perhaps you can have a day where you have you have like three, you know, or, or so, and and yeah. you, you can do it in a way where you're not like puking your guts out off of a porch, <laughs> you know. Like if I don't black out, Saint <laughs> yeah. Patrick is not a saint, <laughs> and, that's, and, and, and that's all. And I I just I think uh, for us there's. I remember uh, when we were in Denver, we did a thing um, uh, at the youth uh, group that I that I was I'm helping with over at St. Mary's Church out um, in Littleton. Uh, The core team got together and these one couple, they had like a bunch of kids and we were all just like hanging out with them and their kids on a Sunday. And it was really, really fun. Like both me and Aaron were like, that was like so good. I think part of the reason why it was good was everyone that was there is just like really good. They're all into their faith. Yeah. And it was just a day of, it was just fun to, you know, hang out. But then two, it was like, oh, every time we do anything is with people who are, I'm single and we just drink a lot. <laughs> and, it, and it just wasn't that. It, we There was no alcohol. Yeah. We played kickball. We had a barbecue. We, I mean, there may have been like some beer there, but it wasn't. And it's like, oh, it okay, wasn't about that. No, yeah, it wasn't yeah, yeah. about like that. Yeah. I need to make it was more about the people coming together, and this is anything. I mean, I, listen, I love going out. We should all go out more, um, but there's this thing where it's like if we're if it's just about that, that automatically excludes certain people. Yeah, kids, people who don't drink, things like that. And I'm like, I is this about the gift or is it about the giver? Mm. You know, and in that moment, it was about the giver because it was people coming together who were part of this team who were like growing in holiness as a community, as we serve these kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And you know, I really do think, I really do think um, the, I said this before, like we've separated 
faith from the sacraments. And I'm doing this thing with every knee shall mm-hmm. bow where I'm walking through this document called on the reciprocity between faith and the sacraments and the sacramental economy. But the the key insight is like we got Jesus, what Jesus did for me 2,000 years ago, and then my faith in Jesus. That's what Christianity is. And then Catholics add their sacraments and their Pope and their Mary and their Saint devotion. But what's essential is that. And the thing about that document that I love so much is that he says, when God revealed himself throughout salvation history, from creation to redemption to today, God revealed himself sacramentally. He revealed himself through the goodness of creation that he made, right? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. He said, secondly, faith is a response. It's a dialogue with God who reveals himself sacramentally. So the moment we divorce faith from the sacraments and thus liturgy, we've divorced ourselves from the very mode by which God communicated with the world with the culmination of the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Like there's no greater sacrament than the humanity of Christ. The humanity of Christ is the gateway to heaven, St. Irenaeus says, and everyone who does morning prayer has to read that before they do the first psalm. The gateway to heaven is the humanity of Jesus. And that's, think about the radical affirmation of, of creation, of the goodness of good things. The goodness of good things on this earth. We don't need to feel bad when we enjoy the goodness of good things. But I do think there is a curmudgeon spirituality that has infected and keeps reinfecting. It's probably a Gnosticism that says, like, yeah, having fun with your friends and stuff, that's fun. That's okay. But isn't it a little sinful? You know, and there's like, there's like, eh, maybe I should just, li-. I, I remember reading an article where. This guy said, uh, leisure is not the basis of culture aura at labora is. And I read this article, and it's, you know, Joseph Pieper, Joseph Pieper has this great, wonderful book called Leisure, the Basis of Culture. And he said, and this guy was critiquing that, saying, as Christians, we shouldn't have leisure. We should work, and we should pray, and that's it. And I was like, this is the dumbest sack of crap I have ever read on the internet. And I felt like that was that posing rigorous crap. Like, oh, 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 so all you do is go from work into your adoration chapel that clearly you have in your wood shop or something. Like, all you do is pray and work and sleep. Ah, sleep, that sounds too much like leisure. No, thank you. Take some more caffeine and get back to work. Like, mm-hmm. there is this breakdown with the enjoyment of the beautiful things of this earth. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, uh, the the book I'm reading right now on Audible is uh, The World Consuming Fire or something like that. It's an anthology of Wendell Berry's writings. Hallie um, Stewart recommended it in one, in her first video. And I took a walk yesterday. I walked for about four miles. And the first chapter is called North Hill. It's an essay he wrote in 1968. And it, Luke, you would just die reading it. It was so awesome and lovely and powerful and convicting. But he's talking about how he's a, he's a Kentuckian and how his ancestors, who were Kentuckians, like destroyed Kentucky. And he's like, here's this beautiful hickory forest that for 10,000 years the Native Americans have lived here. And they were in, and he reads this section from a newspaper or from his great 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 grandfather or whatever. And it just basically says, you know, when they were putting in this road, all that was here was wild forest and an, and an old Indian trail that cut through the forest. And he said, you know, the difference between an Indian path and a road is a road is man's domination over nature. It's our will imposed. Whereas a path, when it encounters an obstacle, it goes around it, it uses it, it goes up, you know, 
it respects the nature that it's a part of and its tradition. It's not just one guy doing it or one time it's happening. A path is worn into the ground because of the decades of feet that have gone before, right? Like you see at a college mm. campus walking across. And he, so it's not, it's like what Jordan Peterson says when someone asked him, what's the difference between a painting and a perfect pixel for pixel reprinting of that painting? Hmm. And and Jordan Peterson said, that's a really good question. Do you know what that, I think that answer is? It's time. Because those layers and layers of paint represent time. Not just the skill of the artist making these shapes as opposed to that shapes. Because yeah. an inkjet printer head could make similar shapes replicating it. He said, but it's the layers of time that make that thing so, not just the skill, but the time. And you think about that with paths, and he said, compare paths to roads. Roads are just us plowing through. And as I'm listening to that, I'm thinking of um, Romano Guardini's, uh, we talked about this a long time ago, Letters from Lake Cuomo, where he said, you know, when he was a little boy, he would go on a rowboat or a sailboat, and there you're, you are with the wind and the water. And he looked out, and he would see the modest homes around Lake Cuomo. It's this idyllic place in Italy. And the houses oh, yeah. are built along with the 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 tree line and along with the mountain lines because they're built naturally it's collected stones alabaster or not alabaster but plaster and, and and whatever else he said and then when he was an older man you know in the 1930s or 40s or whatever it was when he wrote the letters everyone's just zipping around on motorboats there's no there's no sense of correlation and connaturality with nature and he said and he looks over and there's all these hotels where they like ripped up half a mountain and ripped up all the trees and he says you know i understand why it's here but there's this point where modern man just thinks it owns everything and just you know what i want a highway with as few turns as possible and every five miles it has to have a straight road for a mile in case a plane needs an emergency landing. So, oh, crap, here's a hill. Well, we'll just blow up the hill. Blow it up. Yeah. 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 And so that's the thing. And when I start to think about that and how far we've come from a goodness of creation thing, um, I, I, think, I think that that's part of our divorce from festivity. Festivity just becomes indulgence. Well, I, I think when it's distorted, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like yeah. for yeah, modern, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was just at like that, and I think it's. I think that this is the problem: is that like everything's distorted, like like, and that's one of the biggest challenges. I think is when we do anything, is we you have to be careful. Like you have to kind of take a step back, almost be like, okay, what's um. So Adele, did you, did you hear what Adele did for her new album oh. on Spotify? You can hit shuffle on it. And she had to fight in order for for them to be able to um, do that. And she did it because she wants a thing that you have to listen to the whole thing. Now, people can obviously skip the tracks, but she was like, no, it's not. It's meant to be heard in this order. And I think this constant, the this constant desire to have everything we want right now has actually destroyed meaning. Because yeah. hearing Adele's track in that order gives the album a cohesive meaning yeah and that's we have to be careful like and so if 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 how how we do stuff i just think we have to be aware of um is how i'm doing it is this the right way 
or is this just based in some weird warped on um, weird warped like technique where it's all about it's all about oh, myself and my needs and whatever I want and I will impose my will however I yeah. I choose. So is this just another place for domination? Yeah, you know, yeah. Asserting and my that's a control. great yeah, and that's like if you going back to like the whole creation thing. You know, when you look at like what does God tell Adam in in the book of Genesis, like everything's under his care right it's not it's not under his i don't remember the exact thing but like i mean the word is dominion where we get domination whoopsie but it didn't have the <laughs> same connotation it's more stewardship in the hebrew okay and and, and that's i think that's what that's, yeah. i was like because i know of like it's, it's kind of i don't think that it's meant to be like just destroy everything you want for everything like there's this great i, I remember father um david huss back when he was just um david huss has this great thing in his apartment because uh he because he loves to hunt that said, the glory of a hunter is a cultivation of his game, or something like like yeah. that. Yeah. And it's a great quote because it's like, yeah. if you're doing this well, you're actually like, you should be allowing this stuff should be flourishing. Because if there are too many deer, that's yeah. actually a problem for nature. Yeah, they become you know? pests. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it right now, deer crossed during a drought. Deer crossed into Long Island, and they were they were everywhere. So Long Island had to invite deer hunters in and extend licenses and have them hunt because they were just they were everywhere. They're they're a pest. They grow really really quickly. They expand quickly. But it's true. Like to hunt things to extinction is stupid and short sighted. But the same is true about farming. Right? Um, our modern industrial farming strips the land of its topsoil. So you go from having 12 and to six feet of topsoil to most industrial farms have a few inches of topsoil. Where is that topsoil? It goes where all soil goes into the sea, right? It is washed away. It's no longer being held in by the land. And so that notion of like, like killing hunting for the sake of killing. And that's it is I think disordered. If you don't eat the animal that you kill, if it's just about racking up numbers because you're, you know, whatever, there's a fundamental problem with that. Because the coolest thing is everything I've heard about a hunter is that when they stalk their prey, when they go through and do it, and they actually kill a deer, they kill, um, you know, an elk or whatever it is, they feel something I've never felt to my ribeye that I got at the grocery store, which is a profound sense of gratitude for the life of this animal. Right? Like, people talk about that, especially if you go on, like, real hunts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the things that civilization can pull us from. And then when you industrialize and mechanize farming and um, cattle raising and all this stuff, you you just look at your animals and you're like, you're just calories to optimize for my diet. And it's like, well, actually, it's a living thing. It's a living thing. Here's a great example of a thing that I've been um, listening to um, recently. There's a – it's not the the way they do it. I don't know why they – it's not the best mm-hmm. podcast I've ever heard, but the stories are really cool. Um, it's called Once Upon a Time or something like that. And they're basically, it's a Spotify podcast where they tell with modern um, language uh, the real story of what a lot of the older oh, Disney films are based on. So they start off with here's the real Snow White, here's the real... Pinocchio and, and and when you hear the old stuff and like the old like if it's a weird translation it just sounds like a harsh on the German it's like here's another violent um German thing <laughs> but uh 
<laughs> when you hear kind of the, when they when they do a better translation of it, it's actually a really great story with a lot with like a lot more meaning. And it is a little bit more. It's a bit. It's a bit more violent. It's a bit more intense. But there's more there. Like there was one thing in the beginning of um, Pinocchio, like he kills Jiminy Cricket. Like he tries to change his mind, and he like grabs a hacksaw. He throws it at him and kills the cricket, who had been there for 100 years. <laughs> and but I'm like, well, that's 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 like a really good point. Which is that like in order to do this bad stuff, you have to kill your conscience. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's and that's and that's actually like like that's actually kind of interesting. It's like when we do this stuff, you are killing your conscience. Like you are this thing that you have built, you destroy it, or that's been given to you through your own information as a young um person. You're when you want to do bad stuff, like you can lose it, which I think is a great like that's what like yeah. sin, like. That's, I think that's one of the reasons why it's kind of pr- probably when you sin, it's hard to see God because you've just gotten rid of anything that pulls you towards him, any sense of your reason. It's not that you are ignoring it, it's that you're actually kind of killing it. Mm. So you're unable to see him, and it can be restored. Like, Jimmy Cricket does come back to life, and they don't call him that in the, in the thing. But it, anyways, I, I just found, like, a lot more a meaning in these older things, but, like, because... I don't know why it might be a translation thing. It might be that our world just isn't as violent anymore or whatever. The Disneyfication of it yeah. has actually taken away its meaning. Some of its meaning largely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, the, not, the not the all, funny but thing, like, right. But you're, I mean, you're true. It's it, the, the closest thing we have to it is when, uh, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Dwight Schrute. Walks in during Bring Your Kid to Work Day in the office, and he's like, yeah. she cuts off the fingers of little boys who suck their thumbs. <laughs> I was like, yikes. Yikes. What is the name of the podcast? You got to find this. I can put it in the show notes. Let me uh, Because everything that I'm trying to find is Once Upon a Time, a podcast about the ABC TV show Once Upon Once, a Time. Oh, that first season was great. Um, All the rest sucked. Oh. And it, it's a bit weird because they they try to tell these stories and they want to tell like a bit of like how Disney how Disney made the film, but I don't think they need any of it. It's just kind of like cool just to retell this. I mean, like I don't. I'd say it's like a really good B plus podcast, which is kind of random for me because I usually ignore anything that I don't think is a straight A. Uh, let me pull up my podcast real quick. Sorry, and I, I I'm sorry if I got a bit intense about the whole like Exodus um ninety thing. I'm just um tired. No, it's called on Once Upon a Time from the Parcast um, Network. It's a Spotify original. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about fairy tales is they tell us a lot of truth in these silly stories. And I've gotten back into reading aloud to my children. And um, we're going through the Od- a children's version of the Odyssey. And my kids were like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And now every single day they're like, can we do it yet? Can we do it now? Can we do it now? It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. I've not been able to read as much as the Iliad as I wanted to. It's all good. But I'm going to try to get through it the next two weeks because I start class on the 16th. So can I, and, I, can uh, I, can I tell yeah. you the books that I've been reading like crazy? Yeah, do it. Do it. Uh, I have read um, the Demon series, which D-A-E-M-O-N. It was written in 2009. I think the follow-up was in 2010, book one and two. Um, Demon and oh, what's the other one called? I can't remember. But um Daniel Suarez is the author, and the, it is it's a book about one day a brilliant computer scientist or computer video game inventor dies, 
and then two people get murdered at his company in oh, totally no. random, totally random different ways. And this uh, local police detective begins investigating, and something is really weird here because they died in very weird, bizarre ways. And it turns out this guy, Matthew Sobel, the guy behind it all, he created a series. Uh, he used a video game to reshape as a testing ground to reshape human civilization. And essentially, he's like, here's the deal. There's no civilization that exists that isn't born in blood. Violence, colonization, whatever, right? So he's like, so, okay, if I have to create a better world, we're going to make a lot of people bleed who deserve it. And so he essentially taps into this one guy who's a psychopath and gets him to level up in this world to become this murder guy, but he's a network defender and they create a dark net and all this stuff. But the whole thing is eventually to create a world where hyper consumerism is done away with by localism and it takes technology in order to do it. But it is such a good critique of hmm. like some of this great resignation conversation that we were having and all this stuff, like the the banishment of the local for super cheap international stuff to open up to global markets and all this, even if it kills the hometown, we can have those always low prices always. And so it was just, it's just a fascinating thing. And I read it back in 2010, 2011, but I just found it. I was like, oh, yeah, I own these books. So I reread <laughs> them. They were nice. awesome, awesome books. Oh, cool. And then I started on your friend's. I, I, I think you would, uh, literally, I was thinking of you the whole time I was reading chapter one of Tracy Rowland, Dr. Tracy Rowland's. Oh, who was yeah. Brad I need to read thing. that. No, yeah. no, no. There's this book uh, that I, I bought. Her. Yeah, it was called uh, The Culture of the Incarnation. And the whole first chapter is Von Balthazar and Ratzinger on why modern man can't be liturgical. Oh, that's interesting. And what is wrong with us. Yeah, what the hell has gone wrong? What are they saying? And it, well, it leans really heavy in it's it's so what um, von Balthasar talks about the anima technica vacua that he doesn't even know if modern man is can be yeah. even receptive yeah. to the world was preceded by Romano Guardini in the liturgical movement, which is a book I'm reading, Principles of Sacred Liturgy by um, Christopher Karstens, awesome book by um, he's one of the head guys or the head guy at. Uh, the Liturgical Institute out in Chicago. They bought ads a couple years ago. Oh, well, yeah, I've been yeah. reading his book. I've been reading his book because our some of our liturgy departments reading it. And the opening chapter, Romano Guardini's like, "Listen, modern man refuses to be receptive, and the death of receptivity is the death of liturgy. You can't pretend yeah. like you can you can worship at church because all you're going to do is make it about doing, doing, doing." And if it's all about doing, 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 instead of being, 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 you're going to F it all up, basically. Yeah. And so he questions hard over and over. And he began, he wrote, the book that he wrote was called The Spirit of the Liturgy, which in tune with other people began this thing called the liturgical movement, which culminated in Sacrosanctum Concilium, which was immediately effed over by a whole bunch of people, in, a whole bunch of intentionally people like Rahner and Skillebex and all the others. Um, but their, his insight was, I don't even know if it's possible, at the end of his life, he um, had gone to a church. I can't remember the exact story, but he watches people in tune with the liturgy. And he said, they didn't get this because they went to a bunch of lectures. They watched, they contemplated, and they listened. And that's how they were able to receive our Lord again. Hmm. And it was pretty powerful. So she draws on some of that with 
the updated Von Balthazar, but more so the Ratzinger critique of what happens when we let the world set the agenda for the church and we adapt American pop culture for the sake of delivering Christian theology and liturgy. And Cardinal Ratzinger, (laughs) without hesitating, says this is the undoing. Sacro pop is the undoing of Christianity, of Catholicism completely. And until we recover, and he goes to this point of like, it's not just about chanting in Latin, but it's also absolutely not about taking modern pop art forms and just dumping them into the church with some Jesus-y lyrics. He's like, that is the corruption almost par excellence of what liturgy is supposed to be because it's not about receptivity anymore. And I'm reading that and I was like, wow, wow, sacro pop is what he called it. And he quoted Cardinal Stafford who said um, 2004, or no, Tracy does, uh, Tracy Rowland, Dr. Tracy Rowland. She says, I'm not a first-name basis with her yet. She said, um, Cardinal Stafford said to the Knights of Columbus in 2004, all the religions of the world trembles before the advance of American pop culture. And it is, it's like, it's fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) What have we done? We have killed Jiminy Cricket. (laughs) But 1989 is so good. Have you heard? Are we out of the woods? (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about that? No, I, I'm, uh, I am in tune with the Ratzinger. I have my views on all of this stuff have changed so dramatically, um, lately that, uh, I don't know any way around it, but like if we don't, we belong to a church that literally has a thing called sacred tradition and we're scared of tradition, you know, and younger people aren't, but I mean, I literally have people cussing out priests. We have this happening, cussing out priests because they put candles on the altar, like cussing them out. I don't know if you saw this video that went around. It's really famous. The the Archbishop of Seattle put a former Marine Corps black priest into his crazy ass parish, his craziest parish, and he was trying to do what you, what anyone would call would be a normal Novus Ordo liturgy. Hmm. And his people revolted. It, there's video because I guess they like live stream their masses. I know or something. Talk, it was a while ago. Yes, they yes. literally refused yeah. to let him leave the building. And they like right, and we think about this. I I wish you know I wish he would have done. I just wish he would have called the cops and been like, "I'm being unjustly attained by a bunch of white people." (laughs) It was like, and they all would have gone. It was like a bunch of like people. They're like, "I'm 60s and there's and other 70s with short white hair." Yeah, they were like, "It's really like in the middle of mass too." Like yes, and this guy they were shouting him down. Like he's a good man. He's a holy man. You're all nuts. (laughs) Yes, yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, and this is like before COVID. Yeah, not, and yeah. you know, and then you have the crazy. I got it sent to me by someone, but the crazy ass mass in Chicago, Father Fluger, whatever his name is. Apparently, Taylor Marshall's having a field day with it. But like, you got to go an hour into the video until you find something Catholic, and you're like, "What the hell is this? Hmm. This is horrible." Meanwhile, the Latin mass is getting shut down left and right <sighs> in the Archdiocese of Chicago. But this guy, he's cool, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is just I demonic." Yeah. But this is the thing, like like what you were saying, like like art matters. Beauty matters. And not just beauty for beauty's sake. Beauty that springs from an encounter with God. That's what I want. 
Uh, you know, like when I read the hymns of the early church, when I read the hymns of the Wesleyan brothers who were very emotional, when I read the hymns of uh, uh, just, you know, a handful of traditional hymns, we did this awesome Eucharistic procession and they were also different hymns. Here's the thing I come across. The people who wrote it meditated on sacred scripture and had a relationship with Christ born in personal prayer. And when they wrote liturgical hymns, it was to express God in creation, Christ in redemption, and the gift that we're given. But then when I listen to so much Christian music today, it's just romantic music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Baby, baby, Jesus, Jesus, oh, you know, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, and it, that's how I feel. this is part of my discernment that you told me to do. And honestly, you, I could not have gotten, received better advice. I have been in full discernment mode of my life and my career and my family and, you know, whether we're going to move and get some land or stay put and pay off debt. Or and, move to Cincinnati. No, hells to the no. No, thank you. Uh, I ain't you leaving know Texas. how beautiful over the Rhine is. Hey, remember Cincinnati's that guy was awesome. doing the thing with the fire and stuff? I do. We were eating at the Etavola, which is closed down apparently. It really bums me out. We had those yeah, no, dates I, with bacon. I will take my life. I will take my life here. <laughs> where I can go, where I've been able to go to the movie theater for a we year had now. dates it's wrapped nice. in bacon. That was nice. <laughs> that, that was, was really nice. good. So, um, real quick. No, but I, I think. Do you know what they call dates wrapped in bacon? Mm. They call it Dayton. Mm. Oh, gosh. Man, Dayton sucks. Uh, I'm just kidding. Dayton's great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I shouldn't say this right now. We're about to, I'm about to be in the Catholic Telegraph and more people might be listening. Oh, no. <laughs> no, Dayton doesn't. It's, there's, I'm just, uh, I miss big, beautiful buildings and there's just not a lot of them here. Mm. That's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. There's the beautiful fine. buildings of Cincinnati. I love that city so much. Mm. I love. I think Cincinnati is the greatest city in the world. Screw everyone else. It's wonderful. Uh, well, that's when you know you're in the right place. I if think. you haven't like experienced a night out on the town there, when it starts to rain and you've had a few drinks and you just stare up right next to this huge Art Deco gigantic um, building, you haven't lived. It's beautiful. It's one of the most. It's <laughs> it's like it's a building that's meant to be seen in the rain. It's. <laughs> so cool looking when that oh i just batman could have stood on exactly. that building. well and then that's what inspired uh the first tim Burton <sighs> thing yeah uh, okay you want to talk about spider-man really quick because i have some thoughts okay let's talk about spider-man really quick you talk about the fans need it so i hate myself you don't know why i hate myself okay so spoiler alert why? toot toot Rrr. all right spoiler horn uh skip over like and actually don't end now but because Skip like I don't know whatever. Gomer will put in um chapters. Uh, if I had to go through a bunch of things and add like accounting stuff to them, uh, you can add chapters. So that's what I was doing for us before this call. Um, congratulations, thank you. Okay, so I haven't read anything about any of the Marvel stuff because of grad school and life, not at all. I'm just, and I've I've loved being so disconnected from all this stuff. Uh, except for sports, um, and I, I freaking read a review because I before uh -huh, because I didn't want to uh, go if they weren't if Toby McGuire wasn't gonna I didn't I didn't want to get my hopes up I didn't uh, want to get my hopes up and I saw I was like son of a bitch <laughs> and I think because I jumped out of my seat and I flew some popcorn when Matt Murdock was there <laughs> oh that was very awesome. excited about that but I think I would have loved the Toby but I also had to pee like, like right before it happened so. Yeah. Um, I missed. They did a good came. job keeping that quiet. They did. They did a I, good I mean, job. 
I really liked it for what it was. I thought it was really, really fun. Yeah. It felt like old Marvel. In a good way? And by old Marvel, I mean, yes. I mean, okay. like, you know, the Infinity Saga Marvel. I haven't watched any of the uh, other stuff. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, besides the TV shows. So, what, like, did so you enjoyed it? I loved it. I loved it. I saw it with uh, a group of friends, and um, we had a blast. Uh, we all we all had seen Venom. I think that group of guys, most of those guys, we all saw the second Venom movie, and we saw the Eternals movie together. And some of them, or yeah, at least Seth, good old Seth, he's a listener. Um, but uh, yeah, Eternals. Sucked. It really bums me out. Worst movie of Marvel, hands down. Give me Thor two. I will. Oh, I will watch Green Lantern over and over again, starring Ryan, whatever his name is. Uh, I would rather watch that than ever watch the Eternals. It was. It. It had no point. The movie had no point. Wow. Except look. Look at the new Marvel. Look how cool we are. Um, this Spider-Man was fun. It was entertaining. I probably could have saved about 15, 20 minutes in the old editing room, but not really complaining. I thought I had a blast. Um, Toby Maguire looked a little, uh, old, not old man. He looked like he looked young, but he looked like his, like he was like emaciated. Well, we haven't <laughs> seen him in like 10 years in anything. Uh, I've been watching him literally daily. So it's kind of like, Oh, shit. I have a camera in his old. bedroom. I know he, it's like, but he didn't look old. He didn't look old. But holy shit, you couldn't even tell they de-aged Doc Ock. You couldn't even tell. I can tell a little bit. You say that now, only because I said that. No, I thought it. I thought it when I when I was watching the movie. But I loved. I could. What I couldn't tell was um, William Defoe. Yeah, I mean, just William Defoe's his character now. was great. I I decided I I haven't seen any of the amazing of the amazing Spider-Man, but I loved Andrew Garfield. I really like Andrew Garfield. Yeah, Andrew Garfield. An the actor. problem with the Amazing Spider-Mans were not him. It That's was what, what he was given. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Emma Stone, like, I like Emma Stone. I think she's hilarious. Um, I, I, the, the characters just sucked. Or the, the writing just sucked, and it was weird. And it was, it, it's one of those things that you get frustrated with Spider-Man in the movies because it's like, I love MJ. I, I got to protect her so I can't tell her that I love her. You know, that like back and forth, back and forth. That got old between Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. Um, but then they did the same thing with him and Gwen Stacy because Gwen is the... So you never saw The Amazing Spider-Man? No, no. Oh, man, I, I own them. Yeah. I think Spider-Man 3 really just like... Cause I love Spider-Man 1 and 2. Not love that. I thought it was fun. Like, what, what yeah. I was excited to see Tobey Maguire Spider-Man because to me that is my Spider-Man. Just that it was yeah. college. That was, you know... And so it's just I, I remember going to see the first Spider-Man with my mom and my dad over um, summer break, and I remember being surprised at how much fun it was. Yeah, like I was just like, "Oh, this is it's kind of great." Yeah, they say, I, I like this. One person said to uh, what's his name Andrew Garfield in one of those Wired tweets or something. Um, what was it? It was Tobey Maguire was a better Peter Parker. Andrew Garfield was a better Spider-Man. And Tom Holland is decent at both. What do you think of that? And he's like, I don't know. It's kind of judgmental, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I like that. I like that idea. I love the storyline of of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. I, I loved it. You know, I thought it was so fun. It was good and true as much as it could to the origin story. 
of uh of the comic books and stuff and then andrew garfield's was different and there was a lot of stupidity in andrew garfield's like they hinted at that he was essentially genetically tampered with by his father for the sake of oscorp Hmm. and then you discover this secret lab and then there's no payoff there's no payoff Hmm. he discovers a secret lab underneath the subway and then there's no payoff whatsoever and you're like well this was dumb um yeah but it was they were great it was a great movie i thought it was a great you movie. know what's funny too is the film i understand it, actually they found a way to do it where they when they show up it makes sense why they're there it helps that they're there but it's not just like and now they have to come in because this is what we're doing to make money it fit the story is, is what i'm saying yeah they and did I, the writers did a great yeah, job i thought they did a good i was totally fine with them killing aunt may like I was I was bummed. I was bummed. I was bummed. But like I, I'm like, I'm glad we got the with great power comes great responsibility. Like I, I thought yeah. that was like that's kind of part of his like. Yeah. They found a way to. They kind of gave him a clean slate, which I'm. Like that's kind of great. Like like I yeah. I'm not I have no complaints. So and you know what's funny is it makes all the things that annoyed the hell out of me about the spider-man tom holland spider-man like mj being such a weirdo stick in the mud like oh see i like that about her (laughs) no i liked it to a point but then at a certain point like zendaya is a very dynamic actress she's a brilliant singer she's naturally very funny what is how she sings she sings yeah oh yeah she's 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 like a disney pop or nickelodeon oh. but she was in the greatest showman or whatever that movie's called with hugh jackman as i never saw it ringling brothers but she's one of the people who sings with zach efron and she's great she's she really is great and she's so smiling uh bubbly personality which is the exact they told her to act like think about who you are naturally and do the exact opposite i felt like so <laughs> In this episode, I think they, or this episode, this movie, they got a little, um, uh, I think her character was able to come alive a little bit more, and, and I liked her more. Even though she still kept that edgy curmudgeon, she was more yeah. human. Did you watch Hawkeye? More herself. No. I thought it was fine. I haven't finished WandaVision, Hawkeye, um, I've done, any of that stuff. I've Some episodes were great. Some were, like, you know, whatever. I... There are some things with the new. I heard a, on a podcast they were talking about this. And I think this is actually a very interesting critique. Um, some of the newer MCU stuff because they feel like they're trying to rush them becoming a thing and having all these powers, and um, they're basically having the issues that you see in the um, D in the uh, DCU where there's no time spent on them developing. It's just and now they're the best. Yeah. Yeah, and they're and I'm like, oh, that's actually, and like they're, they're a little bit concerned about where uh, where a uh, Marvel's going, and I because I think the bulk of the TV shows, what's good is, um, the older characters and and the new people that they are interacting with. Yeah, but not really, not really the new people. You don't think so? I, it's all the old I, I think with Loki, yeah, it's it's, I I like like his dynamic with his variant, and I like Owen Wilson. And I like. Um, oh, sorry, fell asleep. Oh, is Loki on? I, no, it's, fell it, it builds. And I love the ending of it. It builds and builds and builds. And I haven't seen the end. I couldn't get past episode two. Not because I'm taking some stance. I just kept falling asleep. No, it's me. it's definitely. I it's a little bit of a slow build, but when it gets going, it's it's. I re- really liked it. Which is just like me in the bedroom. It's true. Uh, <laughs> did you see the Matrix? No, no, ain't nobody got time for that trash. I I. 
Don't. It's nostalgia. It's no, 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 no. Do you remember I that saw, South Park episode? Do you remember that South Park episode with Indiana yes, Jones? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is what they're doing to Deliverance. us. They know they can destroy <laughs> our childhood heroes. No, but it's 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 kind of interesting because I feel like I, I don't I'm not always the biggest fan of this thing where like it's true art if people have um different opinions about it. But I do have a thing where I'm like, I don't I do think there's something to be said about when so many people take so many different have so many different points of view on something and what they're trying to do. I'm like, maybe there is some something there's there's at least some something there to latch on to. As well as like, well, this is dull. Um, yeah. I thought it was the best reboot I've ever seen. Like that's, that's how I viewed it. But it's not a reboot. It's the end. No, I think it's kind of a reboot. But I also think it's kind of a. I don't think they're going to be able to do anything else um, with it. And there's tons of stuff that I wish they had done better. But there were parts of it that I really, really liked. And there were parts that I was like, okay. Let me let me tell you my apprehensions about it. Okay. Number one, the nostalgia porn. And what I mean by nostalgia porn is exactly what South Park meant, which is they dangle this thing from your childhood you loved. And as we all know, uh, ski cap wearing Gomer loved the Matrix freshman year of college, right? I can't wait until I go to weird um, uh, industrial (laughs) music-based clubs. (laughs) <laughs> that's what i looked like but i've never been to one said i go to scott hahn lectures <laughs> anywho um but uh and they use that same with the ghostbusters stuff right they use the thing that draw that like oh my gosh like bill murray said a best about the new ghostbusters movie he goes you know the number one thing i hear from people who go to the movie is they come out crying or they said they cried a lot in that movie and he said, which, you know, doesn't bode so well for a comedy. And everyone starts laughing. And that's the point. Is they're using your profound nostalgia for Star Wars, for Ghostbusters, for Matrix, whatever, to over to emotionally override the actual story. And from what, yes, I did read some things about it because I didn't know if I was going to watch it and stuff. But the thing that kills me is when they do the shot-for-shot remakes, similar to episode, you know, seven of Star Wars, where it's like, oh, you remember the Death Star? Well, this is a bigger Death Star. Yeah, that was... Remember that thing? Well, this is a bigger one. You know, and you're like, um, maybe you just ran out of effing ideas. But that, to me, is where you know it's nostalgia porn, is where they rehash it, but with modern technology, with a modern twist. And then the other fear that I have is... Hey, hey, young men, remember your heroes from those movies? Well, they were all not the hero. Really, it's also this woman back here. You know, it's like Trinity was awesome, but Neo was the one. And now Neo isn't the one. It's Trinity that's the one, but sort of not, but sort of yes. But here we go. Hold hands, fly away together. It's troublesome to me when they do stuff like that, right? They got to shit on all that Neo accomplished in one, two, and three. I mean, he died. Let him die. Well, I, I don't think, I don't know if that's exact. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't want to, hmm, I have some thoughts on that, but. He died. He died at the third movie. Now, I'm one of the few people who, number one, Matrix 1 is incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible. The story tells it incredible. As, as is, and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Na- Matrix 2 and 3 definitely had a lot of problems. Have you got, have you watched them since? I have watched them since. Yes, I, I haven't, haven't watched them this last year. I watched them about th- 
two or three years ago. And I love the hyper-technical side of it, the, like the super nerd um, or the, the computer side, the AI war. I watched all of the Animatrix. I, beat I love the, the Animatrix Matrix video game. Like, I became obsessed with the whole thing, and I loved it. And now it's like, hey, remember everything you know about the Matrix? It was actually this guy's video game. Or was it? Or wasn't it? Or was it? You know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I didn't get that. I I never got the impression that it was, um, that what happened before wasn't real. No, but it's a retconning that destroys the ending. And the ending is the heroic ending. She dies getting him there. He dies in order to save everyone. Done. Yeah, I just, I hated the last, by the third, I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Like. (laughs) It's done. (laughs) Let me rest. Stop, he's already dead. (laughs) I I like the comments that they were making about a reboot, though, in the film. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I'll have to see it. I'll have to see it. I mean, I I, I watched the Snyder Cut. I enjoyed the Snyder Cut ten times more oh, than yeah. I did the original yeah, Justice I loved League. it. That's when you realize, like, uh, the studios are effing with everything. Mm-hmm. Like, just let sh- yeah. The Snyder Cut was so much better. It made sense. It was a co- It wasn't a great movie, but it was a coherent storyline. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was interesting enough. Yeah, interesting enough for a superhero movie for an yeah. amusement. I'm going right? to see uh, the tragedy of of um, a Macbeth. Next week, uh, hopefully, me and Kevin Heider might go. Uh, and I am oh, very, cool. very, 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 very excited for it. It's the first Coen Brothers film done by just one of the Coens. And Is I, that uh, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes? No, it's with it's in black and white, and it's starring Denzel Washington. Oh, yes. I did it see a preview of that. really cool. Like, it looks oh. and, I, like, and, and I know it's going to be like a good Coen Brothers film, even though it's not a Coen Brothers movie, so I should stop saying that. But The Coen film. Because it has, um, the last time I checked, it had 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, but a low score from like the like audience ones. And I'm like, good, they don't get it. Perfect. That's what I want. I don't want like a Coen Brothers thing where people get it. Because in my opinion, those tend to be somewhat of their um, lesser films because they do like a, um, here's one for yeah, us, yeah. here's one for you. And uh, yeah. like True Grit, it's fine. But um, God, I love True Grit. No Inside, Blue and Davis. Yeah. That movie is a, my, I think that's my favorite. I keep, I go, I go back to their stuff more than anyone else. Like in my everyday life. We should have him on the, the world. we should have him on the show. Get him on the show, Luke. Please come on the show, guys. No? Okay. Fair enough. You know who I think we All should right, get? Luke. You're, you're tired. I'll, I'll let you go. Who? Who should we get? I think we could probably get Scorsese if we could get his publicist's uh, contact info. I think Doctor Timothy O'Malley. Oh, yeah, no, I'm going to email him. Calm down, relax. I'm your, excited. I love this guy. Oh, my panties have been in a bunch for at least a month.